radio.org.au. Q&A with Archbishop Julian Porteous. Welcome back, all Credo listeners, and you're here for another exciting episode of Q&A with Archbishop Julian. In the hot seat, we do have Archbishop, but before we get to him, I'll just introduce you to my co-host, Jeremy Ambrose. Hello, everyone. And of course, myself, Javina Graham, always ready to grill even the Archbishop. (laughs) Okay. Archbishop Julian, we know that you're quite passionate about the new evangelization and bringing the gospel to the people of today. I think it would be fair to say that to evangelize a culture, we need to understand that culture. And and looking back to history, we can understand that ways of thinking change and you can see certain trends in, in generations and in era of, eras of human history. What, what How would you characterize today's, um, the, the way that today's people view life and understand life? I think it's very important that if um, <clears throat> we're going to be involved in evangelization, we're going to seek to communicate the gospel to the people of our time, that we do need to to be aware of of their own attitudes and their own, if you like, the, the constructs of their mind, how they see things, how they see life, how they understand things. Um, because at any one time, issues in people's lives and, and the way they perceive things can change and shift, as you, as you said. And therefore, to present the gospel, we've got to be able to communicate in such a way that we're able to touch people's lives, the reality of their experience, and enable them to begin to uh, hear the gospel as having a relevance and value for their life. So I think it's very important that we are in tune with contemporary culture uh, and understand the way people are seeing things today. Now, that's a vast subject. (laughs) It's a vast subject, and we probably really would struggle in a short time to do justice to it at all. However, I, I I think it's useful to begin, and I suppose I'm going to betray my age here, by talking about the changes that I see happening uh, over the last, say, 50 or or 60 years or so. I mean, that's to a certain extent my lifetime. Um, But I think a generation of young people today uh, maybe see things in a way but probably don't see some of the changes as clearly as I might because of my own experience. So with all due respect to to you, I'd like to uh, seem like somebody who's been through a whole lot and share... Some of my experiences. And to do that, I I think when we look at culture, particularly if we're relating to to young people, say young Catholics or people who have been connected, go to a Catholic school or have somehow been linked to the Catholic Church, uh, I think there are two elements to things that have influenced their culture and their way of seeing things that are important. One, of course, is the changes within society as a whole, how society has, in fact, changed and developed over the last 50 years or so. But I think we also need to be conscious of the fact that the church also has gone through change over the last 50 years. And so uh, I think to see that is particularly to see the the culture of being Catholic, how that has actually uh, changed 
over this period of time. So I'd like to just do that a little bit if uh, that might set the scene for talking about contemporary culture. Uh, and in this I'll obviously be making some broad brush kind of comments, but uh, I think they are uh, true to the reality of, of many people. I, I think really there was a, a very pivotal moment uh, historically that, that has impacted on modern culture, and that is the period around the 1960s, early 1970s. It was a time of great social change, of great social turmoil. It was also the time when the church itself too met to reflect upon itself and reflect upon its mission in the world, the Second Vatican Council. And we've spoken about this in the past, but um, I think it's, under, it's important to understand that there were some very, very powerful forces at work in the world and in the church that have really taken things forward and shaped the way things are today. Um, one of the things that uh, I think can be helpful is to look at the ways in which three, I'll probably say even four generations, experienced life and experienced the Catholic faith uh, over the last period of 60 years or so. The first thing I think we need to talk about is the way the Catholic life was lived, say, in the period after the Second World War particularly, but that was really an heir to um, developments in the, the church and society prior to that. And that was when, say, in Australia, Catholics were a fairly united group of people, partly because they were a minority, partly because they... Um, they felt themselves a little disadvantaged in various ways, and so they were more closely bonded uh, as, as, as a community. And so the, the family, the, um, the school, the parish were all very important components to the life of, of a Catholic, and people lived in a, in a very quite striking and very clear Catholic culture. And in a way, they saw themselves as different to the world around them, and so to a certain extent put up some barriers or, or were resistant to the broader culture in some way. So they had a, a clearer sense of identity and a clearer sense of the way they wanted to live their lives, which meant that they saw themselves as different to the culture around them. Now, that began to break down in the period of the 1960s and 70s, partly because Catholics started to become more educated, moved into, into um, the society more generally, and the society itself was also changing, and that also influenced people wanting to participate in those changes, wanting to move with the modern world. So a fairly homogeneous life and identity as Catholics very much began to change in the 60s and and the 70s. And this was a period of the, the baby boomer generation starting to grow up, and, and you know, it's my generation. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. It was a time that uh, there were a lot of social influences at work that led a lot of people of my generation to firstly wanting to be more accepted in the world than be apart from the world. And so they wanted to break down what they felt may have been some barriers, and what they felt were um, perhaps too strong a, a sense of uh, 
of separateness as Catholics. And, uh, and the church was also going through a stage of change. The church was also going through a time of certain, uh, there was a certain level of experimentation of people feeling there was a, a new wave of, um, of flowing through the church from, from the Second Vatican Council. So all this led to a generation wanting particularly to, if you like, a, be more part of the culture, not separate from the culture, but be more part of the, of the culture. It was a time, for instance, when there's a lot of focus on, on the fact that people wanted to be more self-determining in their life. So they felt they didn't want to follow authority so much. So they would sometimes say, look, I, I want to make up my own mind about things. I want to decide what I believe to be right and wrong. There's a lot of talk about conscience and say, I want to be able to follow my own conscience. And so people tended to say the church was a reference point, perhaps an important reference point, but they wanted to find their own way. So a generation grew up in that period, the baby boomer generation grew up with this desire to be more open to the world and to find their own way. And and so the church, particularly as an authority, was looked at down upon a bit and people didn't want to follow the rules, if you like, to be, to be a Catholic. This generation in turn, of course, gave rise to another generation as they grew up and they married and so they started to uh, have children and then these children grew up in a world where some of these forces were moving more and more strongly. In one sense, there was a fundamental shift that was occurring in society what we could call an experiential shift. It was a shift from a focus on, as I said before, on authority, on accepting certain beliefs, on living a certain way of life, to saying, I want to find my own way, and particularly my own experience, my own senses, my own feelings, my own attitudes. These are the things that are most important to me. And this... This is a pretty significant shift because people are starting to say, I want to be the one to determine the way I live, what's right and wrong, the way I see things, and so on. One of the results of that was that a generation grew up whereby they became less and less um, oriented towards particularly Catholic teaching and particularly think matters of doctrine and saw themselves more, say, look, it's not so much important as to what are the doctrines of the church, but rather the way I live. So I don't want to live a good life. And out of this uh, particularly came the idea of people saying, look, I'm spiritual, not religious. So they say, look, I I do have a generally spiritual orientation to life, but I don't want to be religious. I don't want to follow rules and regulations. I don't want to be sort of tied down to doctrines. I don't see the value and importance of doctrines. In that atmosphere, people became more interested in things like social justice and various issues and and uh, and, and seeking to uh, make a difference to the society, improve and change society, perhaps being involved in some of the contemporary issues related to, to social justice. So this led to people losing a greater sense of identity. And what they lost particularly was a sense of those markers that define them as Catholics. So the other word that became used a lot those that these days was the word of 
a Catholic ethos. So, which is pretty nebulous when you think about it. You know, they say, well, you know, a school is really meant to, to reflect a Catholic ethos. It, it really captured the time when people saw themselves more in a vague spiritual kind of mm. uh, sense of life than following something more clear and definite and, and so on. That generation in turn uh, married and had children and so a third generation, which we often call, that was Generation X, if you like, baby boomers, Generation X, and you have Generation Y. And with Generation Y, a lot of these attitudes continue. And, and so people actually began to move to a point where they really lost a lot of sense of Catholic identity. It wasn't very clear to them what it really meant to be a Catholic. One way in which it was described, which I think is a very good way of, of expressing this this attitude of Generation Y, is to call it a moralistic, therapeutic deism. It's moralistic and says, yes, look, we should be good and have certain moral ideals. It's therapeutic in a sense, it's all for me. So I'll always say, look, I think that's good for me. So I'll do what I think is in, the, in my own best interest. So it's a focus on self and focus on seeking the good things for oneself. Deism, in the sense, there's a vagueness about God. And, and so you find young people who might uh, say to themselves, well, well look, uh, I really don't know exactly who God is. I don't really know you know how how to understand the nature of God it's sort of beyond me I, I, I would prefer to um, just accept there's something out there and um, I'll make up my own mind about what I think is really right and wrong so you've moved to a stage where people have lost um, a real sense of identity and they've moved into this what ultimately could be also called a post-Christian agnosticism it's, they've moved beyond Christianity. They've sort of let go of the authority of the church. They've let go of seeking a clear definition of themselves in terms of being Catholic. There's a certain agnosticism because they often just say, I don't know. It's not so much they reject everything out of hand, but they're likely to say, look, I really just really don't know anymore. So this is, um, this is what I think we're finding happening. And, and of course, that's why some of the young people don't see the reason to go to Mass, don't see the reason to follow the teachings of the Church, I want to make up my own mind, and so on. So this becomes a great challenge for us today. Uh, this is the, the reality of, of the culture in which we live, and of course we have to ask ourselves now, what does the Church have to offer uh, to this generation? Well, well, I guess that's the, yeah, that's the best question to go on with. I mean, if this is where we've been led to for the contemporary mind, how can we touch people's lives today? And this is the great challenge for the church. This is a great challenge for the new evangelization. How, how can we speak to this generation, this generation who's going to say, look, I really don't know about God, and, and to a certain extent, I think it's beyond my capacity to, to, to know about God, or that, that person say, look, I'm fairly happy with my attitude, which, you know, I'm sort of feeling this is right, this feels good for me, I'll do this. Uh, and so on. I think this is a great challenge for the church, but I believe in one sense we have to go back one further step. 
not just to look at the culture, the contemporary mind, the way people see things, the attitudes that they've adopted, the, the their experiences in life, but to take one step back and saying that whatever about a person's experiences, whatever about the culture that they've grown up with, whatever about their attitudes towards the church, towards Christianity, towards God, they are still a human being. And that, as a human being, they are, as we believe very much as Catholics, created in a certain way, that we're not just sensate beings. We're not just beings who live off our feelings, who... who who operate at the level of uh, of what seems to suit me, fit in with me. That 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 um, we're far more than that. And I think fundamentally, it's that we have a soul. We have a spiritual component to ourselves. That's often the point that's lost. People will have moved from the mind doctrine authority, beliefs, practices, to, in one sense, the heart in terms of the seat of feelings, of, of uh, a sense of uh, experience, of what touches me, what, what uh, excites me. People talk about being passionate these days about this and that. So all those in that emotive level to life. But there's a third dimension to ourselves, and that is the spiritual dimension. And, and that is what you see that. You see that finding expression as people today do sense there's something more. That's why they, they, they will say that, look, I think there's something out there. You know, I, I, I believe that, um, that there is some other reality, some, they might not use the word spiritual reality, but some sort of reality. And that's why things like New Age become so popular. And even why people will do things like, use tarot cards or, or or follow the stars. They're searching for something that gives meaning and value to their life that they're not finding presently through living their life at that emotive, emotional level. And so people, I believe, do have really what boils down to a spiritual thirst, a spiritual quest, even though they can't and don't necessarily identify it as such. Um, there is something lacking. There is something missing in their life. They sense it, but they probably can't identify it. You know, they, they say, you know, they'll talk about the fact that, uh, that there, there must be something out there. There's, uh, and, and they probably have a sense that what they're experiencing isn't finally satisfying, even though they don't know why it's not finally satisfying. I think we're in a situation there with great potential for the gospel. Now, I don't think it's been realised just yet, but I think I think in time to come it will. Because I, I think the more and more people move on this track, particularly of a, that certain relativism and, and secularism, there will be a sense that this isn't satisfying, this isn't providing for my deepest needs, that there is... In us, you know, the, I use it often. It's a phrase that's used a great deal. St. Augustine's great words. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. That was his 
experience. He kept searching. He knew that he would look at this. It wasn't. It was meeting his needs for a while, but it wasn't finally satisfying. And so, I believe that many people are in that situation of searching, even though they may not uh, go about a serious search, but they are sensing there's something lacking. And 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 they'll dip into this. They'll try that. They'll they'll explore different things. Well, maybe in times they'll just say it's all too hard and they'll just say, let's just worry about our job and raising the family or getting clear of the mortgage or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they, they will still sense that there is something not complete in themselves. Now, I believe that that's where we can evangelize. I believe that, that if we can present the truth about what's the truth about human life, to say that God is the answer to human life, that Christ is the way to fullness and completion of human life. If we can present that, present that in a way that actually does communicate to what they are searching for, to what is lacking in their life, then I think that's a great potential and power uh, for the new evangelization. So the great challenge for us is to find out how we can, in fact, present the gospel where people can actually hear it speaking to the reality of their lives, speaking to the needs that maybe they can't articulate but are there within them. This is a great challenge and a great opportunity for the church at the, at the present moment. What an inspiring challenge you put to us there, Bishop, Archbishop Julian, um, and one that I think bears much more thinking on in the times to come. Yeah, it's, it's good to understand our generation and, and how the, the gospel can be proclaimed to them. Thank you for another insightful and inspiring session of Q&A with Archbishop Julian. You've been listening to Q&A with Archbishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes or to submit your questions for the Archbishop, visit cradio.org.au.